Hey there, today I'm bringing you my conversation with Leah Logan and Mark Wilcock from Indwell. Indwell is a faith-based nonprofit that partners with churches and communities to create affordable housing and supports for people that are seeking health, wellness, and belonging. They've got an unbelievable backstory. And if you're a church that wants to either support those without sustainable living or a church that's maybe looking to move out of its building, this conversation is definitely for you. Don't miss it. Let's go right now. Hey, welcome back. My name is Mike. I'm a church helper, and my goal today is to help your church make every decision on purpose. Now, before we get going with my conversation with Mark and Leah, I'd just like to give you that friendly reminder that you can catch this episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. You can follow us on social media, and we would love for you to join our email list where we send out one email a week with some practical tips for ministry. I think you're really going to enjoy getting those, so we'd love for you to sign up. All those links are below. Make sure you take a second and subscribe to either our podcast or our YouTube channel and leave a comment so that we know what you're thinking. Now, I think you're really going to find today's conversation helpful. Leah Logan is the regional manager in charge of programs for Indwell, and Mark Wilcock is the community engagement coordinator for the Waterloo region. And together, they're going to talk about how churches can get involved in what Indwell is doing and how they're accomplishing their goals of creating hope and homes for all. So let's get into it right now, my conversation with Mark and Leah. Uh, Mark and Leah, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so happy that you guys are here uh, to talk a little bit about Indwell. Thank We're you, excited to great. be here too. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So um, uh, let's it just... Is. Sorry, I was go just going to say, it, it is great to be joining you on the podcast, Mike. That's, thanks for having us. And, yeah. um, and to share a bit about Indwell, who we are and what we do. And just, uh, yeah, uh, this is a, an opportunity to publicly, because uh, we're friends outside of this podcast and the connection with Indwell, just to publicly say congratulations to you and Lauren on Church Helper and, and to all that you're doing through your missional work with churches. And uh, just love your mission statement, uh, helping churches make every decision on purpose. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully this podcast today can help churches in terms of being purposeful and how they serve in the community and organizations that they partner with in the community. So uh, congratulations to you and Lauren, and it's uh, just great to be here with you and your listeners today. Thanks so much. And I appreciate you reading that word for word as I sent it to you earlier. To prepare. So that's <laughs> no, that was, uh, wasn't rehearsed. So, so uh, why don't you guys tell me um, sort of who Indwell is, what you do, uh, the impact, the community, where it started, a little bit of the history. Uh, just tell me a little bit about Indwell. Sure, I'm, I'm going to begin together, and uh, you talk about rehearsal, Leah and I have broken things down a little bit, so I'm going to begin and share uh, at, off the top just about who we are and a bit of our history at Indwell. So um, Indwell is a Canadian Christian charity, and um, uh, our mission statement, talking about mission statements, is that uh, we create affordable housing communities that support people seeking health, wellness, and belonging. And our uh, organization, uh, roots of our organization began back in the early 1970s and a time when, at uh, the time of deinstitutionalization, uh, more people were uh, beginning to live on the streets and um, began with one couple who 
saw a need, saw people living on the street and needing a place to call home and a little bit of help to get back on their feet to help maybe um, get to the root of the reasons why they were homeless and um, help them hopefully find a fuller measure of health and wellness to be able to stay permanently housed. And so this uh, couple in Hamilton, Ontario, made uh, the decision to put all their children in one bedroom and uh, they had the other bedroom and that freed up their third bedroom to uh, invite somebody to come live with them that they had uh, gotten to know and gave this uh, young lady a, a roof over her head and then also helped her to uh, to get back on her feet. And that was back, as I said, in the early to mid 1970s. And then fast forward to the year 2000, as our organization to continue to grow, uh, we bought our first apartment building in the year 2000. And then that really brings us to today, fast forward then to 2021, we now serve over 700 tenants across Southern and Southwestern Ontario. Yeah. Um, we are in Hamilton, which is where we began. And then we are also in uh, Norfolk County, particularly in the town of Simcoe, and then in London and Woodstock. And we also have uh, over 300 units, either in development or construction in all four of those cities, plus four more cities or municipalities. Um, in Mississauga, we're opening later this year. Uh, also in Chatham-Kent, uh, we're recently opened in St. Thomas and opening again later in St. Thomas and then uh, in Waterloo Region where I'm located here in Kitchener and um, looking forward to that. You all are busy. Now, I, th I think I remember the the number of this, but though that family that moved all of their kids into one room, how many kids did that family have? Do you know the answer to that question, Leah? I do. They had two children. They had two. Yeah. So they took kids that kind of like got their own rooms and they were like, get in there and we're going to bring mm -hmm. in this other family. Like that's, mm -hmm. it's an incredible beginning story, I think. Mm -hmm. It and is. actually, uh, one of the children still works with us. She is our uh, no director way. of programs within the organization. Wow. So uh, the, the, yeah, the Prinzen legacy has lived on in, in a really wonderful way. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. That's great. Um, so when you, when you talk about Indwell's vision, it says that the vision is, uh, is dignity you know, for all people, um, love for your neighbors, and you say that hope is the foundation of all that you do. Can you just expand on that? How do those three sort of values imprint themselves on everything that Indwell is doing? Well, actually, our vision statement is hope and homes for all. Um, and our three values are dignity, hope, and love that drive our vision and our mission. And so just as you articulated them there, um, first value the dignity of each person that we believe uh, there's an inherent dignity in each person um, made in the image of God. And then secondly, we uh, live out our Christian calling to love our neighbors as ourselves in providing affordable housing and uh, by providing, providing affordable housing and also the supports that people will need and doing that with, with love um, in what we say and what we do. And then um, hope is foundation really of all that we do and all that we say, because um, we believe that uh, everyone needs hope. Yeah. And uh, starts with having a safe place to, safe place to call home and then be able to, once they have a safe place to, to call home, 
and uh, and some supports around them, we can begin to see that there is a brighter future ahead. Yeah, for sure. That's great. And so how does Indwell accomplish that, right? So you've got the you've got the buildings, but then you've also got the support. So how does all that, how does it work? What are the nuts and bolts there? I think I, I'll, I'll step in here and say, you know, uh, Indwell, we are a developer, a housing developer, but we are also a health provider. And I think um, what's led us into that journey is, is recognizing the social determinants of health and that housing is a crucial component of that. But then to maintain housing, supports are needed as well. And so that is what's uh, led us to be, you know, to wear both of those hats as an organization. And we've really worked hard to ensure that we can do both aspects of, of development and uh, supporting our individuals. Uh, we've worked really hard to make sure we can do that well. Um, so, you know, the, the nuts and bolts, as, as you said, it's uh, uh, four key aspects or pillars of, of our model uh, that we, we strive to accomplish. And so that is doing innovative development, not just development. We really want to make sure that when we are doing development, it is uh, good quality homes that we are developing for the folks that we are going to serve. And uh, a component of that is ensuring that our, our housing is uh, designed to passive house standards. So while we are developing, we're also limiting our ecological footprint um, uh, in the communities that we're, that we're joining and becoming part of. Uh, we are also, you know, as the developers, the property managers. So we have a wonderful facilities team that gets to know our tenants and are on site on, on a daily basis to ensure that we maintain good quality housing um, that we design. Um, and we are coming alongside our tenants in learning how to, you know, switch over batteries and work on a, you know, a stubborn broken smoke detector that, you know, always haunts us a little bit. So we have that practice embedded in, in um, our day to day as well. From the, the support side, uh, there are two components of support that we really work to provide, and that is deep affordability. Mm -hmm. um, I think actually that the definition of, a, of affordability has grown astronomically as this housing crisis grows astronomically. But for us, when we say deep, a, a real affordability, it's, it's ensuring that everyone can afford housing. So our rents are, are approximately $550 a month. Um, recognizing that those that are on government assistance are only being allotted approximately $489 a month for their shelter. So we want to make sure that uh, it becomes affordable for those that are in most need uh, of affordable housing. And then we provide on-site supports. So in every building that we design, we have programs that are embedded in, into our design. So we develop our buildings to have lounges and community kitchens and um, office space for our staff to be in the building with our tenants. And that is our attempt to provide holistic care to tackle some of the other social determinants of health, like food security, um, access to healthcare, um, and uh, you know even the building of connection and relationship and community for the folks that we serve. Right. I can go deeper, but yeah, well, that's just a very big, big sky picture for you. There's there's tiers, right? Like each building is almost—I don't know if you would call it a, a 
like a tier, but you know, we have this graphic here that I'll show. It's it's like the circles, right? There's the there's the enhanced supports, the blended supports, and then the standard ones. Can you just sort of walk me through those three different ones and sort of how they're different to one another? Yes. So I think you know, as as we develop our, our buildings um, and it, as we come alongside our, our tenants and their journey for health, wellness, and belonging, our goal is to move our tenants into a place where they can live in independent housing, where they won't have to live in supportive housing all of their lives. Right. And so we have developed models within our supports um, to assist our tenants on that, on that journey to independent living. Um, so we have three different types of models of supports. As you mentioned, we have enhanced and we have our blended programs and we have standard. And really that is our continuum of support that we offer in each uh, um, uh, that we offer in our buildings. Um, I will say that uh, in our enhanced programs, we have um, a closer, uh, closer connection with our tenants. We have more staff on site and we are supporting our, ten our tenants who might be struggling to be able to live independently and stay stably housed so that uh, they can grow their skills, they can become um, stable in, in their health um, and we can work on goals to move them across our continuum to blended and standard programs, mm -hmm. which are le um, increasingly less supportive um, because the needs are, are not as great. So uh, yeah, I, we, we have it in a circle because that is how we see our approach of support is that we are you know, coming uh, around the tenants, uh, coming alongside them in their journey and their goals. See, that's interesting to me um, because a lot of people when they approach, and you said this in the beginning too, right? A lot of people when they approach um, homelessness or folks that are struggling with affordable housing. A lot of people just shout, uh, you know, make things free or, or get them in there or like we need to build more. And your approach is, yes, we need to do that, but also we need to sort of get more to the root of the why, right? Why is somebody struggling with affordable housing? And and it's not, we're going to get them in there and now they're there. You're actually actively trying to put in place a process by which people can kind of work themselves out of the cycle. Is that right? Yeah, I think our goal is to get rid of the cycle completely. Right. <laughs> we don't want Just... <laughs> people to move along a cycle. We want right. them to, to get to that level of, of permanent housing and stability. Um, I think a, a huge component of the work that we do is recognizing the need for connection and community. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why we, you know, we work with our, our church partnerships um, in, in such a great way, because I think we have a, a kindred spirit um, to our understanding of what community can do for one individual. And so it, I will tell you, it hurts my heart a little bit when someone refers to one of our buildings as an apartment building, because right. we, we are... <laughs> much more than that. We, right. we really strive to create community um, in, in every building that we develop so that our tenants not only have the support of our staff, but they also have, you know, approximately 40 other neighbors that are going to come alongside them through their highs and lows of life. How do you intentionally build that community? Like you can't just, you know, put door knockers on everybody's door and say, hey, come out to the porch at three o'clock or like, 
do you have like uh, do you have events or games is it you know can people wander into each other's sort of apartment rooms like how how is that community being built because that's really interesting to me that that's such a like such a key part of this whole process mm -hmm. well um, I think that there, there are a, a, a lot of different ways that we, we do try to build that community very practically. We're the developers, so we get to design our buildings right. to very enhance cool. natural communities. So mm -hmm. we're ensuring that, you know, there is a commercial kitchen for all tenants to use smack dab in the apartments that, you know, uh, there are lounges, there are uh, community spaces uh, that our, our tenants very naturally get drawn into. Um, but, you know, it's, it's also about our rapport. You know, we are, we are, we have long-term relationships with our tenants and we get to recognize what our tenants like and they don't like. And so we can develop programming based on, on interest Right. Um, and, and based on what the needs of, of, the, of the tenants and the community are. So we will do different programming activities. We have a tea and coffee time every Thursday um, where we have volunteers come in and or tenants lead our, our coffee. Um, we actually have a, a bit of a, a running joke in one of our programs about which tenant makes the best coffee. So um, everyone's always trying to tweak their recipe to get <laughs> to get more people coming to, to the building. Um, but we do hot lunches uh, where we have meals together. Um, we have game nights, uh, movie nights, um, any any type of activity that are that's going to gain interest for our, for our, for our tenants to participate in. And for me, the uniqueness isn't in the activity. As somebody who's been in ministry for a long time, you know, you can come up with a hundred ideas of movie night, game night, whatever. It's, it's that you're actually putting a focus on it. You're saying this isn't just come live here. It's come live and grow and be a part of something here, which is so cool. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think we, we really want to see our tenants flourish and we really want to see them grow in their health wellness but their sense of belonging and right. you don't have that sense of belonging without being part of something bigger right. and so that is that is what we try to foster at end so cool so there's there's two kind of bigger parts of of how you get involved in a community and so i kind of want to talk about both one is obviously you know, building a building or, or um, you know, retrofitting a building. And you can talk, I think, well, maybe we'll talk about that first. You can talk to me about sort of how that works. And then the second part is partnering with the community around that building to actually get involved, right? Because you want to be a part of, you don't want to just create this community in a box, but you actually want to go out into your community as well. So how, how do these buildings get built? First of all, where do you find them? you know, do people come to you? Do you go to them? You know, how does that work? And then, you know, then we'll talk about that, that community as a whole aspect after. I can take that question, I guess. Um, I'll begin with that on the development side. Um, it's a combination of, you know, people coming to us um, or us seeking out opportunities. Um, you know, we're always, we're always on the lookout for um, for uh, uh, pieces of property that would be the right fit for us, depending on where we are, and more often than not nowadays, uh, with 
the housing crisis being so acute, really everywhere, yeah. um, you know, more often than not, we have people calling us. Um, and then from there, it's um, us scouting out, you know, um, and sifting through the leads that come to us and where are the locations, what would be good, you know, I mean, and we, we've um, found enough properties and designed enough buildings to have a general idea of what we need and what we're looking for, you know, roughly a third of an acre, um, you know, if, and, and if it's in a location that is uh, easily accessible for our tenants. So, you know, there are all, all the amenities are, will be located around them, that it's close to public transit, that, uh, you know, those kind of, those kind of pieces. Um, and then from there, you know, it depends on the, the on the economic side, uh, you know, how much does the property cost? How much is it going to cost to develop it? Uh, and then putting together budgets from there and, um, that help us decide, well, how much do we, you know, how much will it take to build this building? And then how much do we, you know, need from the community to purchase the property and design and build the building? And so we, you know, we do build brand new buildings. Um, however, we tend to favor uh, adaptively reusing properties. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of lends itself to our um, preference to be environmentally friendly with how we design our buildings. And um, and so rather than, you know, generating something new, can we take something that uh, is old and bring it back to life again? Right. So we've uh, adaptively reused old warehouses like the Harvey Woods warehouse or factory rather, Harvey Woods factory in Woodstock, um, adaptively converted that into apartments. Um, we, uh, have converted a number of rooming houses, taverns, strip clubs, uh, redeemed them into uh, affordable housing. Uh, we now have a number of churches that we are adaptively reusing, um, and that's taken on different forms depending on the location. And uh, and then we go from there. And and the beauty of what I love about what we do at Indwell, whether we're building from the ground up or we are adaptively a building is how we design our buildings as Leah mentioned earlier that knowing having a good sense of who our tenants will be um, and what their needs will be we can specifically design our buildings with the tenants in mind so for example you know where we build something as simple as the laundry you know rather than putting it in the back corner of the basement you know where it's dark and closed in and you know, we put our laundry facilities on, you know, higher levels in the building on ground floor, or upper level, or if it has to be in the basement, it's in a well-lit space, right? Um, and there's lots of natural light in, in our buildings. Um, you know, we build, uh, we make sure there's lots of uh, bike space available, bike racks and, and even indoor bike storage. So our tenants feel safe and, and secure knowing that their bikes are not going to get stolen or that they can, you know, keep them uh, well-maintained, things like that, that, um, that not, not every uh, apartment building is necessarily designed for, but that's specifically, uh, specifically how we design our, our buildings. Mm -hmm. 
I forget the second part of your question. Well, do you have, <laughs> um, you, you sent me a couple of pictures here, which I can, uh, you know, I'll show on the video portion here. And then if people want to go look at them because they're listening, you know, in their car or wherever, you know, we've got them on the blog. We'll make sure we link to those. Do you have a couple of projects that you've really enjoyed? I know, Leah, I've heard you say before, like, we really like taverns or we really like, <laughs> we love converting like those. But you, then also, I know you guys have worked with uh, churches too to, to take a space and, and, you know, maybe keep some of those, um, like those heritage, those highlight points and sort of build them into your design. So do you, do you like, do you have a couple of projects either that you're working on or that you've done that you're like, these are my favorite. And those are the ones that you should go look mm -hmm. at. Cause I think they're really cool. Well, I, I feel like I, I need to follow up with that, that comment about taverns, because I'll tell you, I don't know if I love taverns, because, you know, I don't think anyone should be living in that, in that type of, uh, you know, housing environment. But what I love about it is uh, that we can take a, a take a building that, you know, does not have hope and is not uh, seen in good regard by a community mm. and instill hope and love back into it. And so um, that is where I see our, our values uh, of love, dignity and hope reinfused back into the community with our development, um, recognizing that we're building something of good quality of respect to the community that the, the building was a part of. So yes, that's why I say I like taverns, but I wanted to just clarify <laughs> that for the group there, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so can mm -hmm. you tell me about maybe a couple of the projects that you've worked mm -hmm. on that you've really enjoyed? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so I would say that there's one project uh, particularly uh, that I'm working on right now um, that uh, I've really enjoyed being part of, and, and that is our, our Dogwood Suites project in Norfolk. And that was an old tavern um, uh, and uh, a tavern that had 47 people living it. Uh, in it at the time that we purchased the building. Oh um, and, you know, the living conditions of the folks at that time, there were electrical cords coming from the hallways because people did not have hydro um, in the units. There were units that did not have running water um, and units that had like no windows. They had cardboard and uh, in, in lieu of a window and the individuals living in these deplorable conditions were paying $650 a month to live in. Oh um, and, and so we were actually approached by the community to say, can you help the individuals who live here? Can you do something to re-infuse hope into this building in our downtown core? And so, you know, with the support of the community, we, we purchased the building and we rehoused the 47 people that were living in that space into good quality um, uh, homes. And we are now completely converting um, that space um, into what will be 50 apartments uh, for the community um, in an effort to uh, A, build more affordable housing um, uh, with supports in our community, but it also lends itself to downtown revitalization and other community components that we're, we're working um, to uh, to, to help with um, because the community uh, came alongside. So that, that's one example, but um, there are so many. I think actually every building that we design is one of my favorites because <laughs> it's doing just that. It's it's providing hope and homes to all and uh, it's, it's really uh, contributing in a positive way to our communities at large. 
So let's say that you're not a church or you're, you're a church, but you're not a church that's looking to give up your building or you're, you know, you're not looking to be one that's converted. Um, is there still room to get involved there? Is there room for, for other community organizations or churches to sort of come around you? And, you know, what does that look like? Absolutely. Um, I can speak to the, to some of that for sure. Um, particularly on the church side of things we do, uh, I think Leah mentioned it earlier that, um, you know, our connection with churches is really crucial for us um, as a Canadian Christian charity. Um, you know, we, we do um, look to churches to um, help us develop community in our buildings. And so there are a number of ways that we look to partner with churches. Uh, there's uh, on the financial end, uh, support from churches, uh, both on the capital side in terms of building buildings, and then on the operating side after the building is open, right. uh, there's the, the financial piece, but then also um, the piece of, uh, you know, interacting with our tenants in the communities uh, after the building is open is a great way for churches to partner with us. And there's a number of different ways that people uh, can do that. And yeah, I think mentioned that earlier again with, you know, when there's uh, game nights and, and uh, opportunity movie nights and uh, meals, there's, you know, opportunities for volunteers to come and, and interact with the tenants or, uh, you know, depending on the program and the community and the location, uh, opportunities to help with uh, upkeep at the building, um, with uh, community gardens. Some of our programs have community gardens, and there's an opportunity for churches to to help our tenants develop life skills um, outside. You know, with the example that I'm using is a community garden, but also, yeah, just different opportunities. One one of our uh, sites that will be coming here in Waterloo Region is a church conversion, uh, and the church is still going to be at the site and already they're talking about you know that it's, it's an older congregation they have a, a a quilting society or quilting group of some kind and they've already committed to quilt 40 blankets for every wow. tenant that's going to be coming in the building right oh, that's very um mm -hmm. so there's different opportunities like that for churches to partner with us or maybe to provide food uh, when it's needed um, and then, of course, prayer support, right? Connecting and building a relationship with our churches. We're uh, always in need of uh, prayer covering for our staff, for our tenants, and for our organization as a whole as we, um, you know, seek to represent Jesus well in the community mm -hmm. with our values of dignity, hope, and love, and uh, just, yeah, providing hope in the community. Very cool. Uh, now I've kind of led you through, you know, what to talk about in the process and, 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 and what am I missing? What, what have you not got to say about Indwell yet that you, you really wanted to talk about? Maybe do you have a story or uh, something that was impactful? Why you started, um, you know, what's, what's that last piece of this conversation that, that I don't have the question to, but you already have the answer. <laughs> I think uh, what, what is really important, and I hope what we're conveying is that we really strive to develop knowable communities. Mm -hmm. And we do that in a different array 
uh, in, in three different types of way. One-on-one -on -one rapport with our tenants, uh, developing you know, community within our buildings, but also being part of our external community as well. Uh, we are here to be good neighbors. Um, and so uh, that, is, that is why partnership is so important to us because community doesn't just have to be within our building, it can be outside as well. Um, and I, I look at uh, the partnerships that we have uh, in, in uh, the communities that we're a part of. Um, and I, I don't know if our tenants would be doing so, so well without um, the, the church, um, you know, contributing in different ways as they can. Um, an example of that, uh, I, I, I'm going to just use Simcoe again because that is those are my roots. But um, we we converted an old education center that was owned by St. James United Church, um, and it was a very dear dear space to them. And so we wanted to honor that space, and so we kept the stained glass and we kept uh, you know the really important components of of the building um, in honor of, of St. James United Church. But they continue to be such a wonderful partner to us in that um, we have many volunteers that will come in and, and do various programming with us. Or when we have a tenant in need of some spiritual guidance, we have the, the minister that will walk on over and say, hey, let's go and go for a walk. Um, and we have, you know, financial support as well. And it was just uh, different degrees of support from that community. But that is one uh, congregation that is coming alongside our tenants and when we have partnerships like that uh, that is what allows us us to grow as a community and, and our tenants to flourish right. so um, I, I would say the knowable communities um, it's a component of what we do but it is the essence of what we do as well so uh, we, can, we can't thank our partners enough for that yeah, very cool what mark did you have any other I, I would, uh, I don't have anything new to add to that, but would just agree with what Leah has said that really, uh, you know, community is what we're about, that we're, you know, as we say over and over again, um, you know, we're not just building a building, but we're building a community. We want people to feel like they're part of a community, that we're looking for people to find a fuller measure of health, wellness, and belonging. And um, that's our mission statement and our you know, tagline in our mission statement. And it you know, really is, it's, it's, they're finding fuller measure of health and wellness belonging within a community. And, um, and that uh, we need the support of our external partners. And we focused on churches, and this is the Church Helper podcast. I mean, we have, we develop partnerships with any, with anyone that would like to, you know, develop partners with us that will help us to grow our community um, and we want our tenants to um, you know, find a, in finding their full measure of health and wellness be able to come to a place to give back to their community both within their building but also externally um, as well and so it's a, it's a great relationship that uh, can happen in, in lots of different avenues and, and to explore within this idea of uh, community but it most definitely is uh, crucial to who we are and what we do. It's, it really comes back to all about uh, community, developing affordable housing communities. So that's a great lead in then. How do people get a hold of you? How do they get in touch? How do they get involved? Whether they want you to take their building over or they want to help you out as a part of a contributing member or send people in, how do, 
you know, it, the, what's the best way to get a hold of Indwell to start to get involved? Well, I, I think you're probably going to put up a slide that will have some of our contact information, perhaps, but you can um, certainly contact either Leah or I. Uh, and really, the best place to begin for us is to go to our website to uh, indwell.ca and uh, just about everything that we've shared today and more can be found on our website in terms of uh, how to get connected with Indwell, how to learn more about Indwell and learn more about different communities that we are already in um, is to go to our website and uh, and start there. Oh, very cool. And yeah, yeah I, like I said, I think you're going to share our, I think at least for those, I'm somebody's in the car they're not going to see the slide but if they're watching <laughs> online they're going to see the slide we'll and sure. uh they can go to our website there or um my email address is mwilcock at indwell.ca or llogan at indwell.ca are easy ways to get in touch with us that's great i'll make sure i link the we'll link the website and any of that information in the pictures and your email addresses will make sure all that stuff is linked on the blog and in the show notes to make sure everybody can Get to see that. Well, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to talk about Indwell. I just, I love, you guys know this. It's why you're here. I love what you're doing. I think that it's so cool, both for communities and and uh, for folks that really, really need this help and hope and support. And I just hope and pray that you guys continue to have opportunities to get into new communities and to, you know, build people up that really need it. I think what you're doing is just, it's just so cool. I just love it. So thanks so much for doing that. Thanks for having us. All right. Thanks for having us, Mike. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.